Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Have you ever been referred to as that sexy nurse? I have. I'm sure you have too. But I always wondered, do guys get that same stereotype? I mean, do people refer to them as that sexy nurse? I've never seen a male wear a sexy nurse costume, unless he were in drag, of course, for Halloween, you know. But today we're going to find out. We're going to find out what goes on on the other side, on the man's side of the nurse arena. And I have guest Nate Cernovich. He won a beauty competition for men. It's called Mr. Supernational 2019. He's also an ER nurse. So uh, stay tuned. This should be a fun episode. But first, a word from our sponsor. Nurses and nursing students, all healthcare workers, really, we have a lot of documents to keep up with. And unfortunately, care facilities don't help much. That's where Nurse Backpack comes in. This app is great. It's easy, it's free, and now you can carry all those licenses, credentials, records, and things your workplace wants on your phone. You can even add work history and other records like CEs. To add or update your info, type it in or photograph the docs front and back. It's really that simple, and then all you have to do is set reminder dates for expirations and renewals. You're putting a lot in there, so Nurse Backpack is already secured for you. Plus, you choose when and if you share your resume. You can send it to yourself, your manager, or as a job application just with a few clicks. You're not a filing cabinet. You're a healthcare professional. Don't let paperwork cause mischiefs or worse. This is the most complete document assistant you can get for healthcare. It's an app, and it's free. Download Nurse Backpack today. And welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Nail Serkinovich. Oh my gosh, I think I messed it up. How do I say your name? Serkinovich. <laughs> awesome. Serkinovich. Right, I'm, used to, I'm used to it at this point. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so am I. It's, it's the beauty of having vowels with, or names with many vowels, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell us about yourself. You're Mr. Supranational. What is that all about? Yeah. And a nurse, and an ER nurse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, to sort of just give a little bit of background information about myself, I am originally from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, born and raised. Uh, my parents, my dad is a firefighter. He's a paramedic um, for the Omaha Fire Department. My mom was a preschool teacher. I had two older brothers. You know, I, I had what I would consider, what I typically tell people is pretty, you know, normal upbringing for the most part, normal uh, upbringing in the, in the U.S., um, very blue collar. Um, and, uh, ended up going to, uh, college in a small college in Sioux City, Iowa called Morningside College Scholarship. And when I was there, the whole plan, I always knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. Uh, my dad being a paramedic, I always thought, you know, anytime he'd come home, uh, the stories he'd tell. And I, I just thought everything that he did was super, you know, fascinating. I really respected what he did as a paramedic. And so that was kind of the route I thought I was going to go. I thought I wanted to join the fire department. I thought I wanted to be a paramedic. Um, and so when I went to school though, on the four-year football scholarship, it was actually my dad who's the one who suggested uh, that I, I do nursing. 
And, you know, at the time I was kind of surprised because I was considered my dad, you know, sort of a, a guy's guy, like a man's man. And I, I never would have considered being a male nurse. I mean, just even saying, I always thought of, uh, uh, meet the parents, the Gaylord Fokker, you know, like, Oh, you're too good. You're not right. good enough to be a doctor. Like, you know, the kind of whole <laughs> stigma attached to it. Um, but no, yeah. So I went to nursing school and, and I loved every second of it. I really kind of just fell in love with the profession. I'd like more than I ever thought I really would. Um, and so then I moved back to Omaha after college and worked uh, a couple of years there at a trauma facility, Bergen Mercy Hospital in Omaha. Um, got right in right away, got into the ER. Um, I was lucky enough where my preceptorship, my senior year of school was uh, in the emergency room. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door right, right away. It's kind of tough to get into the ER right out of school, but I was lucky enough where I did. Um, and then, yeah, got my trauma certification, kind of got a lot of certifications early on right away. And um, the whole plan was I wanted to do traveling nursing. I'd learned about traveling nursing and, you know, the many different opportunities with that throughout nursing school. Uh, and so I knew as soon as I had enough experience, that was the plan. I wanted to be a traveling nurse. Uh, you know, I didn't really have anything tying me down back home. I thought that would be the time in my life to do this. Uh, so as soon as I got two years of experience, I immediately applied for a, uh, um, a traveling agency based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And, I've been traveling ever since, got my California license, and I've been in the LA area. And yeah, so I'm also Mr. Supernational, which that whole story is kind of crazy how that even came to be. And anytime I even tell a lot of people in my work, they, they keep calling it Mr. Supernatural, like it was like a some sort of a magic show or something like that, which I That's get it. That's so awesome. It's kind of a goofy name. But yeah, it was, uh, it was just kind of crazy. I'd always been interesting in, in modeling and acting. It's something I just never really got into back home. I mean, obviously, coming from Omaha, Nebraska, like I said, very blue collar, you know, that's not really what guys do. Guys don't model, guys don't act. You know, you get a good steady job. You you, you kind of go the typical route for the most part. But um, I'd always wanted to do it. I'd always just been kind of more busy with sports, academics, and those kind of things. And none of my friends were really into it. So a little bit of it was, you know, I was just – very, um, very unsure of how it would be viewed if I did pursue anything like that. Um, and again, obviously, as a nurse, you know, I was busy with my career. and um, It was a job that I did really enjoy. But uh, no, I, I, when I moved out to the LA area, there was a friend of mine, actually, who I'd met in Omaha. He, he actually came up to me in a line at a Walmart, I think it was, and in his card. And he said, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and he said, it was just out of the blue, comes up to me, and I'm waiting in line with, I don't even know what I was buying at the time, but uh, he's like, hey, I think you, you know, you got a really good look. I think you could make a lot of money if you wanted to get into modeling. And I think you, you know, you could be very successful in that field. And I'd been approached a few times either by family or friends and saying like, hey, you should be a model, you know, you're a good looking guy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just, again, I was just sort of, you know, I had a struggle with the idea of appearing like this conceited douchebag, basically. I just didn't want that to be how I was viewed. I, you know, I was very... I'm on the fence about ever trying. I was interested in doing it and especially acting. I thought acting would be a lot of fun. I was very interested in theater growing up. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I moved out to L.A. and I uh, did do one photo shoot in Omaha with this guy. I did get in contact with him. and did like a low budget photo shoot. And uh, the whole deal was he basically let me keep the pictures, help me set up this portfolio. So if I ever did get into anything like that, then I could use those photos. And um, that was what I did. I set up the portfolio, moved out to L.A. back in this last August. Um, submitted this portfolio onto this online form, just figured, you know what, screw it, let's see what happens with it. Um, with nursing, obviously working three 12-hour shifts in the ER, you have kind of more of an open schedule. 
Exactly. Uh, so it is. So yeah, I guess that's one of the beauties about nursing. And so you yes. have kind of a lot of opportunity to pursue different, you know, different hobbies or things that you're interested in and doing. And, um, so I saw that as an opportunity to try it out. And uh, I think a couple months after submitting it, I was approached by the Mr. Supernational USA organization, uh, the director for that. And uh, they found my port my profile online and they was like, Hey, look, we got guys from all over the country. They're flying in for this, for this uh, competition to represent the United States in this international competition, the Mr. Supernational competition that takes place in Europe. And at first, I'm like, this sounds like I'm going to get like sold into sex slavery or something. Like, oh, like, this is legitimate. Like, like this doesn't. Total <laughs> porn, sex slavery. Yeah, exactly. And so I got I'm like, I don't know about that. I looked into it and I looked it up and it was a legitimate event, you know, and everything. And the person I was talking to, they seemed legit. Um, basically, I sort of just through my own research confirmed that it was a real thing. I wasn't pro- probably not going to get sold into sex slavery. And, uh, so yeah, I went to the audition. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to actually win this thing. This is a catwalk. This is, you know, you're doing all sorts of stuff. You're doing the catwalks and these are professional models and actors and they're having guys flying from around the country to compete. But I'm like, I looked at it as an opportunity to get my foot in the door for modeling because up until that point, you know, I didn't know anybody in LA. I didn't know how you even got started uh, to get to make your way into modeling and acting in the industry. I didn't know anybody and knew nobody that was into anything like that. So I was like, all right, I'll get, you know, I'll go, I'll meet some people, make some contacts, meet some other models, and maybe that'll be a good way to get my foot in the door. Not expecting that I was actually, that I would ever win in a million years. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, but no, yeah, I ended up, one thing, you know, kind <laughs> of led to the other, and I, I ended up winning. Um, and I was sort of horrified at the time, to be honest. I was, <laughs> I know. I was like, no, that is not, that was not part of the plan. That was not what I was trying to do. Um, but I think they just really appreciated the fact that, you know, I was, I was, I was genuine. I was authentic. I was a ER nurse. I think they did really appreciate the fact that I, you know, I was kind of like your average Joe, I guess you could say somebody people could actually relate to. Um, and, uh, at the time they told me like, yeah, you, you know, you kind of just have a knack for this. You're, you're, you're good on front of the camera. And, um, so I, I ended up, I remember calling my dad and my parents. I didn't tell anybody that I was auditioning for this. I'm talking to my friends. I didn't talk to my parents. <laughs> But after I won and I was supposed to go to Poland, I was like, all right, well, now I probably got to tell people this. And so, so was I, it in Poland that you? Yeah, that, it took place, oh, in, okay. took place in Poland. Yep, that was wow. the competition. Katowice, Poland is where it was. So um, called <laughs> called my dad and my parents, and it was just kind of funny. They At first, they thought I, you know, I was full of it. And then they had the same thought. They're like, no, you're going to get sold to sex, sex labor. That's not, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, eventually, you know, we, we talked about it and they're very supportive about it. Once I sort of talked to them and I told them it was something I was interested in doing, um, went to Poland and again, you know, not even expecting to win in the U S I definitely didn't expect to win over in Poland, but I, you know, I was fortunate enough where, uh, yeah, I ultimately by the end, it was like a two week competition and, uh, they, they chose me as a winner and I am now Mr. Supernational. 2019 the current <laughs> champion so it's just sort of a wild crazy you know twist of event things that's something that I never expected to play out the way it did it was really you know intended just to get my foot in the door with modeling here in, in the LA and turned into this whole international male pageant competition and thing but it, I, you know it was a really really cool experience I'm really glad I did it and kind of helped me just sort of you know step outside my comfort zone and just say 
right, screw it. Who cares what anyone else is going to say? Just exactly. do it. If you're interested in doing it, you're going to have fun with it and go for it. So it was, uh, it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and that's what you do, you know, and that's how you win things. You know, I, I see so many people coming here to Hollywood and going, I'm going to make a star. This is what I'm going to do. And they, mm. they fail. They fail mm. because not because they want it too much, but because they're not having fun along on the yeah. journey, you yeah. know, and they're, they're not just in it. They're not really meeting the people. They're being rude to people, you know, mm. and, and it's like, so you got to have fun on your journey. You got to yes. kind of be carefree. And let me tell you, those people that have fun on their journey and are carefree and are open, they're the ones who make it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's huge. And I think when you're actually having fun with it again, sort of like I said, one of the, my, the, what they had told me was one of the, uh, one of my, um, I guess, biggest factors that played a role in me being chosen was the fact that I, I appeared, you know, just easygoing and genuine and authentic. And I think that comes off much more prominently when you're, when you're just relaxed and you're enjoying yourself and you're having fun and you're just being yourself. I think that's gonna, you know, you're, you're, you're not cookie cutter. You're not the same thing that everyone else is. And you're actually just, you know, you're in it for, for doing it because you enjoy doing it and not because, you know, you got, I'm going to, I'm going to get this, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be an actor and this and that. I think it just comes off much much more, you know, real when you're, when you're actually enjoying yourself and um, being genuine with it. It's so true. And that's what I teach in my storytelling classes is people will always know when you're fake, when you're on stage and, and yeah. when you are not genuine in your story, when you're not owning your space, when you're there, you know, because people mm. want to relate to you at the end of the day. Uh, people want, people will vote for likable people. You know, Absolutely. I, I remember I was working with this physician and she was very young and, and nobody liked her. And she comes to me and she tells me, you know, nobody likes me here, but I really don't care because I'm not trying to make friends. And I'm like, um, did you know that people vote for likable people? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so you might want to look in, in yourself on why you're not likable. I mean, yeah, she probably yeah. didn't like herself. I mean, I like myself, but there were times where I didn't like myself, you know? Yeah, so, Absolutely. So did you have, was there a talent part in the competition? <laughs> so there, there, there was, um, it was an optional, thank God, there was an optional <laughs> talent portion. Uh, Cause I don't, I didn't really have any sort of performable talent unless they wanted me to juggle. I can juggle like three things and maybe only for like 10 seconds. So that'd be like the extent of my talent, performable talents. Uh, I told them unless they wanted me to do like a CPR class up on stage. Other than I that, love it. <laughs> Or start an IV or something. I'm like, I don't really have any other performable talent. So no, I didn't. I didn't do the talent portion um, for at least for this particular pageant, Mr. Supernational. It didn't really play a huge role in ultimately in deciding the winner. But it was kind of something where you could, you know, if you were sort of teetering on the edge of making top twenty or not, then it could sort of push you into those other rounds if you were already sort of on the fence. But um, no, I, I didn't actually do the talent portion because. Definitely didn't want to see me dance or sing or anything like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I just think those talent portions are just weird, you know. Yeah. So to, to begin with, yeah. you're a beauty pageant, and now you have to have this talent too. It's bizarre. So let's talk about. I, I think this is all very interesting. And um, Nurse Backpack is our sponsor for this. And I had pitched this episode, and I'd seen you. I go, oh, he would be perfect to discuss the whole sexy nurse stereotype because we always see it in women you know Halloween yeah. costume is a sexy nurse woman you know 
But in this section, you are the sexy male nurse. And I do write a lot about gender for elite. I've written a couple articles on, on males in nursing. Um, we had a prior podcast with my friend, Leo Oliva, who is also an ear nurse, and he's an actor, and he's also a producer and director. He wrote a movie called The Shift, which is on Amazon. Um, and, uh, and, and we had also discussed this, but because of you as a sex symbol and now coming into the nursing as a man, let's go ahead and discuss this. I mean, sure. like you said, your, your coworkers, like what are they, they're calling you Mr. Supernatural, which is awesome. I'd be like, yeah. I have special powers. Yeah. I can bring people up from I'm like, that sounds, that sounds cooler, honestly. I wish it was Mr. Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> You should just change it. You're like, yeah, that's what I it know. is. I bring people from the dead. That's my yep, yep. There's one thing I'm going to change about my year reigning as Mr. Supernatural. I'm going to change the name to Mr. Supernatural. I, I think that's cool. I think it should be <laughs> changed. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Like, so, so you're, oh, you're you're, to... yeah, your coworkers and like, like, let's talk about the sexy nurse symbol. I yeah. Mean, you, yeah, yeah. Are you getting more dates? I mean, yeah. <laughs> what, what, do, what do women say about you or, or are you getting, like, have you um, faced up with that stereotype? Sure. I mean, I kind of have in the past with guys that I dated, they're like, oh, that's kind of sexy. Are you going to dress like the sexy nurse, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it's kind of funny. I play around with it. It's never really been insulting to me. I mean, I write mm -hmm. a lot about nurses in the media and stuff. And I think what's more insulting to me is when nurses are shown that they don't know what they're doing. Yes, you know, I would 100% agree I, I with think that. that. That is more of an insult to me than showing a sexy nurse. Or, uh, sexy I agree, nurse, absolutely. Know? And I, I think, and it is, it is a little bit different as a male nurse, because um, you know, like you're saying, the stereotype is a sexy female nurse. And they, I mean, those are all those costumes you see on uh, on Halloween and just, you know, it's a lot of guys fantasy is a sexy nurse. And, um, but, you still do get, I mean, as a male nurse, I mean, there's, it's almost a little bit of a, of a, a double standard uh, as a male nurse, whereas, especially in more of the workplace, I mean, it's, you know, it can be more discussed openly, the fact that you're an attractive nurse when you're a man, as opposed to a woman, it's not okay for, you know, if I were to comment continuously on one of my coworkers looks, that would be, you know, probably more frowned upon as opposed to if one of my female coworkers were to constantly you know make jokes about me being mr supernatural or like oh yeah your abs and this and that and, um <laughs> it's much it's much more okay and accepted i think because there is just that double standard with guys being hit on as opposed to men hitting on women in a workplace at least um but uh you know i i, I agree it doesn't bug me at all it's one of those things you know just you kind of just I look at it as, a, you know, it's, it's a compliment at the end of the day. I don't really take anything like that too seriously or to heart. So it doesn't ever bug me. Um, as far as outside of work, you know, you do, I'd say ever since I won, um, I mean, I, I personally haven't noticed a whole, a whole lot of difference other than, you know, it's social media. I mean, cause that's where people, if I'm meeting somebody in person, I still don't really, you know, I don't come up and introduce myself. I'm like, Hey, Nate Service, Mr. Supernatural. <laughs> now I'm saying it. Now I'm actually, now I'm going to start saying Mr. Supernatural, Mr. Supernational. I, I just, I mean, if anyone asks my profession, I'm an ER nurse and I don't really get into all that. If I know you, then I, I'll discuss that a little bit further, but it's not something that I advertise immediately. Um, but where people do see it and it's obviously more, Pro, like prominent in my in my life is on social media 
Um, so on my Instagram. So you do get much more of a social media following um, once you are the winner. Even when you're in the competition, I think all the guys over there's like 40 of us total. Um, we're getting, you know, a lot of new followers on Instagram because there are a lot of fans to this. And even if it's not a big deal in the United States, uh, it's it's a big deal. A lot of countries, I think it was broadcast about 70 different countries total. Um, it was a live television show on like live national television for a lot of countries. So in Asia, especially like Latin American countries, um, they really do follow this. So it's sort of weird to me, you know, being in the U.S. where it's not that big of a deal. I don't feel that much like a celebrity. And I'm not saying that I'm any kind of, you know, class A celebrity in any way. But in other countries, it is a very big deal. Like Indonesia and the Philippines, that's kind of a lot of my following is wow. from those <laughs> countries. And so and I know past winners who have gone there to do trips as the winter you get a you know get a tour around the world a little bit and do these different trips you're invited to these different events and um i was talking to the the guy who had won it after i had won i met with the winner from last year and um, he spoke with me how just you know how crazy he was actually from india where it's also a big deal and uh yeah he, he said it's i mean you are you're somewhat of a celebrity during your year that you're the reigning mr supernationals so um i i notice it more on social media i'd say people do you know a lot more uh, you know, a lot more compliments or comments by people. Very, very, very blunt and straight to the point. And yeah. some, some are a little weirder than others. I have a lot of my, I, my DMs are pretty full with a lot of weird requests and things like that at times. But um, yeah, you know, it's just again, it's not something that's ever bugged me. And I, I look at it as, as you know, it's a compliment at the end of the day if people are complimenting your looks. So. Um, it hasn't changed a whole lot for me personally, but you do notice those kind of things. That's super cool. So I want to kind of segue to something that we were talking about before we started recording, and that is body image in the male specifically, because as yeah. I was saying, uh, with my patients, like my teenage patients, one of the things, one of the problems that I've been having lately is, um, teenage boys, teenage young men that are about mm, i'd say 12 to 16 17 years old coming in and wanting muscles okay i've had mm -hmm. mothers saying can you please tell my son to stop going to the gym because <laughs> obsessively going to the gym he's not doing his homework he's not doing other things all he wants to do he is just get wants biceps and yeah right? <laughs> he just wants muscles and they're coming in and their muscles look a little bit like they're it's a little bit too much for their body because a lot of them are tall and lanky these are the yeah. ones I'm yeah. having issues with so they're having yeah. body image issues and I and I asked one in particular I was like what's your deal like you know I, I kicked his mom out and I go well, what's going on you know um, he's like well I just want muscles and I go well you're not gonna get muscles until you're like 18 because of how your body is developing with your hormones and your muscle mass yeah. and all of that you know and so we talk about diet and nutrition but I'm like what else is going on you know mm. and it's always always a girl <laughs> oh yeah absolutely that's why that's why men are motivated to do 90 percent of the things in their life as women yeah. any guy who tells you different is lying <laughs> yeah and it, it was so funny and i was just like oh my god and i i just kind of chuckle and you know i had him talk about it and he really was a little bit shy and embarrassed but there's nowhere for these young men these young boys to talk about that and then going yeah. into my dating life like i was telling you you know i had a friend who is um six six and he runs marathons and he does triathlons and he's in amazing shape he thinks he's fat 
You know, he has major body issues. And I had another guy that I was dating who, 6'4", used to be a model uh, when he was in high school, did some modeling, was a bodybuilder, you know, uh, runs a very successful million dollar company, body issues, you know, (laughs) like very uh, weird. So let's talk about that because you were telling me you kind of had those issues when you were a teenager too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I was your typical and you're lanky, six, four. You're six, six four. four. Yep. Yep. And I was, yeah, your typical lanky, awkward looking teenager. I don't think anybody at that stage of your life, you know, like right when puberty hits you like a train, nobody looks that great. And that's, but that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, that's, that's puberty. Um, but I think, you know, any more men or young, young men are, you're exposed to so much body image, you know, what you're supposed to look like in the media. And I think that's, it's been a, they've stressed that, that the, uh, you know, the importance of, or how, how, how detrimental that can be to, to women's body image. But just recently, it's almost, it's kind of shifted to where, you know, they've been including men as well, where men get the same, you know, have the same issues. They see all these guys, you see, you know, four on TV and, you know, you want to look like that. You want the biceps, you want the big chest, you want, that's because that's what women are attracted to. And you're told that over and over and over again in the media that this is what right, women want. Control. They want the muscles. They want, yeah. yeah, they want the height. I think the another one that's honestly really um, unfortunate is, is stressing that men have to be tall. And that's something right. you especially can't control. So, you know, I really do feel bad. I'm fortunate I'm 6'4", and that's, you know, viewed in, at least in the United States and society is that's attractive that you're a tall guy. Um, but that's, you know, average, I don't know, average height for a man is about what, five, nine, five, ten, something like that. And that's yeah. considered too short for a lot of women, unfortunately. Right. So that really does mess with the guy's, uh, you know, psyche, especially as a, as a you know, hormonal teenager going through it. You can really struggle and have issues with that. And I did too, for sure. I mean, just being skinny and wanting to be muscular and wanting to, you know, be attractive, um, it's difficult for, for guys to kind of get over that and understand that it's, you know, it comes with time and especially early on when you're, when you're going through that stage in your life, it's, it's not going to be, you're not, you're not going to pack on a bunch of muscle and look like Chris Hemsworth. That's just not, that's not how it works. <laughs> I know. But it doesn't, it's not going to stop us from trying to yeah hit the gym and yeah neglect your homework in the case of that, that kid you're talking about. But uh yeah, I think it is. It's just as big of an issue for, for men as it is for women, the, the old body image shaming and the body image issues. And um, I mean, I even went through a, a stage where uh, even in grade school, I remember at one point I had very chubby cheeks, I had a very chubby face and I hated that. And, you know, and I don't even know what I, why I, I, what point in my life that I realized like, oh, you're supposed to be skinny and fit. But at some point, even in grade school, I remember thinking like, oh, I can't have a fat face. That's not attractive. And it was, it was all motivated by, you know, girls in your class, you have a crush on a girl and she's like, oh, she's not going to like me if I have chubby cheeks like that. I got to get rid of these chubby cheeks. And I'm like in fifth grade thinking like, do I need to start going jogging? Like, what do I got to do? But it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's unfortunate. That's, that's how it is. And it's a lot of things that you just can't control, um, especially at that point in your life where you're, you know, your body's just changing. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely an issue for men just as much as it is for, for women anymore. And and that's such a great point to bring across because I don't think as women, and especially in dating, that they never think of that. You know, they're always thinking guys are always confident no matter what, you know? No, and, yeah. And, and it's the woman that has these image and, and not so much the guys, you know? And, yeah. and they're just as equal and stuff. But men don't yeah. talk about it, you know? Yes. Like they'll say things like, to me, 
I'm, I'm very unique when I'm with these men because they tend to, I always call myself like a priest. I'm like, they just tend to open up and tell me all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, but it's also the nurse thing, you know, and, and yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, I'm sure, sure people tell you all kinds of things too, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I think people, especially my family and friends, ever since I got my nursing degree, you know, you little, they'll ask you, they just, they look at you as somebody they can go to for obviously medical advice, but right. even just any kind of issues like that, they'll talk with me. My aunts have asked me, um, you know, different times about things when they're having issues with their, uh, some of my younger cousins, some of their, their sons, uh, just with, you know, similar things, problems in high school or, um, you know, body, but like how to, how to put on muscle and how to, you know, how to be fit. And they're, they're really wanting to, they want to be, you know, muscular and, and be athletic and this and that. And, um, but, uh, yeah, they do look to nurses or any healthcare workers as sort of the answers to a lot of those things. Yeah, I had one guy tell me, like, he sliced off half of his finger, right? He's a welder. He's like an artist. He's an artisan. So he sliced off half of his finger. I think he was high. He was smoking weed or whatever. And he he, he was like, it was bleeding. I think he stopped the bleeding. I think he went to the ER. I'm not exactly sure what it took. It's a little bit gray there. But he stuck the piece of the finger, his thumb, in his pocket, right? Throw that in my in my breast so, pocket. You know, and every it. time I see him, yeah, he puts it in his breast pocket. And every time he, he I see him, he's always crying about his thumb. So he just went to go get an MRI, right? And he's just always complaining about his thumb, like it's never going to be normal, right? Mm. And, and he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, do you think? He goes, you're a nurse, right? And I'm like, practitioner, yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner. <laughs> and he goes, do you think that if I had brought in that piece of thumb to the ER with me that they could have sewed it up and I'm like yeah you just put it in ice he goes really he goes because <laughs> he goes I found the piece of thumb in my shirt pocket oh he forgot he did it he, he forgot, forgot he put it no <laughs> just threw it in the pocket and then oh my threw god it in the pocket forgot about it I found some weird stuff in my laundry before when I'm going through after I've washed it, but never a thumb. Never part <laughs> of your thumb, thumb piece. Severed thumb piece. I said oh, it that's amazing. rolled out of his pocket, and he's like, what the hell is that? Oh, gosh. And he looked at it, and it had a piece of nail. He's like, oh, that must be my thumb. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I was like, oh, my God. Those stories, they just, you know, <laughs> they just always are like that. So just to wrap up our conversation, okay, so you're a millennial, are, are you Gen Z or a millennial? I, okay, I'm going to be honest, I have no idea, I've heard both, <laughs> I, I don't even know, I was born, I can tell you I was born March 23rd, 1995, so whatever that makes me, I think there's some overlap there where, I don't know, it really doesn't matter, you know, you're all kind of in a similar generation at that point, but I, I grew up at a time before computers were really very prevalent in the world. And I still remember we had a humongous, fat, obnoxiously large gateway computer in the middle of our living room. And so I'm like, we could have Microsoft Word. Internet was still pretty new. And I could play like backyard baseball and different video games on the computer is what I remember. And uh, cell phones were just starting to become a thing too. So I, whatever that places me, I have no idea. I don't know if I'm a millennial or a generation. I, have no, I don't know, but um, somewhere in there. So, so tell me, like, what are Gen Z or uh, nurses in your age range, what are they looking for? Because I know with me, it's been rough all of this time. It's, there was bullying. There was, you know, it's like you just had to make do with whatever people gave you, which is why I did registry and travel 
and I still do locums because I can, I could call my own shots. You know, I work, uh, you know, wherever. And, um, you know, some places I work longer than others and in some places I keep going back to and stuff, but I I have a lot of autonomy. I feel in my schedule and where I want to work and how I work. So, so tell me, what are you, um, getting from your coworkers or your, your peers in your age group? Like what are they looking for as nurses nowadays? Because yeah, as I, we're I going think, into this new, this whole new world now, oh, no you know, kidding. With, with everything that has happened, yeah. you know, th- this is very, very interesting. Yeah. And who knows how much more is going to change? I mean, once this is all said and done with, I think there's going to be a lot of things, it's not even only just in healthcare, changes. but around the world in general, yes. there's a lot of changes, which is being super interesting, interesting. to see how this all pans <laughs> out. But right. um, I think, you know, for my generation, at least, you know, people in my age bracket or anyone that I know or any nurses that I know that are. Um, around my age, I think honestly, exactly what you said. I think one of the big things is autonomy and sort of having the um, having the flexibility in your schedule or different opportunities where you can try different things. You're not locked into one position. I think one thing that scares a lot of people in my generation is the idea that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna graduate college, you're gonna get a job, and that's what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. Right. And you might get some, you know, you might get a, a raise here or there, but for the most part, you're gonna you're gonna work your life away at this one company and you're gonna you know just do the same thing every single day over and over again and get a pension and that's and die yep yep (laughs) the same thing exactly (laughs) yep yep work until you're dead and um and so at least for me personally that was something i always very much wanted to avoid not that there's anything wrong with that at all and i think for a lot of people that's totally okay you know that's what they want to do they want to get that job they want to get married they want to have their kids and uh, they want that whole, you know, suburban lifestyle where you're your dad and you, you grow up in the same town that you grew up in. And um, and I have a lot of friends that that is what they, you know, that's kind of what they aspire to do. And I, But um, at least for me personally, that's not something that ever, at least not for right now, not this stage of my life. That's not something that I wanted to settle down and, um, and do right away. And I think a lot of nurses uh, that I know can relate to that. People want to travel. People want to, you know, develop themselves as a more well-rounded person and, you know, pursue different you know passions and different hobbies and things and not be defined just by the fact that you graduated and you got a job and you're defined entirely by that you're I do this for a living I do this for a living you know people right. want to try different things and experience different things and that's a big part of the reason you know I looked into the acting and modeling it was two things that I was very interested in doing um, especially acting I know I've been doing acting classes since I've won this um, and I've been kind of you know practicing uh, work as an actor just because it's something whether that's something that, that ends up panning out for me or not I you know at the end of the day I don't really I don't really care I'm not holding you know it's not all my, my cards in one basket I'm still a nurse at yeah. the end of the day, it's my primary profession and you're just but having I think it's, fun it's with fun. your life yeah you're having exactly. fun with your life and that's what's exactly. so important you know and it's just exactly. to explore and see what's out there and then you develop an identity for yourself doing yes. things don't you yes. don't you get a stronger exactly. identity of who you are I mean you seem like your parents are like they should get an award I mean <laughs> you get an award of some kind it should go to your parents you get an Oscar it should go to your parents because I think they've instilled very very good strong values in you and, and from you. from what you have grown up with you know and, and instead of getting that ego and sometimes that that happens but with you I don't even think it'll happen you know <laughs> um but yeah it, it, it's just like that's what it's all about and I think people really miss that and I think also in nursing with getting up and, and doing things and either doing research or whatever your career goals are 
in the past, that's what people would do, especially women, is just bully each other and push each other back from really achieving their goals. I mean, even yeah. with me, I, I had that. I had nobody understood what nurses and hypochondriacs was or what I was doing with storytelling and all of this. I mean, I didn't understand it at the time either until I did my one-person show in 2012. It really helped me form my identity and figure out who I am. And look now, the whole world is a is a hypochondriac, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love <laughs> that. that. Believe and have fun, you know? Exactly. And people would point out to me, they're like, not all your podcasts are perfect. And I'm like, I don't strive for perfection. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so Perfection's boring anyway. I think we were talking about people want, you know, authenticity and genuine people. And that's that's people you can relate to. And, you know, and I think the, the, when you're comfortable in your own skin is, is when, is at least the people that I know that are very, you know, they're just charismatic and comfortable with who they are. Those are the people I want to be around. I want to listen. Want exactly. Listen. Exactly. So, so tell us where we can find you. If anybody was looking for you, if they want you to be in a movie, if they just want to follow you on Instagram. Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess. Um, so currently living in the LA area, I'll probably be in whether I, I'm still working as a traveling nurse, um, but uh, kind of planning to, whether I stay at the same facility I'm at right now or whether I bounce around the LA area, I'll be in LA for at least, you know, next year or two. Um, I anticipate uh, my Instagram handle, if you wanted to follow it, is at and then Nate Cirk, N-A-T-E-C-R-N-K. Uh, any, any, as far as, you know, acting or modeling or any sort of um, promotional things or anything like that, you can reach me. My business email is Nate, or sorry, it's N and then C-R-N. K-O-V-I-C-H 17 at yahoo.com. And I'll put links to that at the end of this podcast. Awesome. I appreciate thank that. Thank you so much, Nate, for being on. It's been fun. Yeah, no, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Very good right. luck with the podcast. I think this is awesome right. that you do this. This is something I'm going to have to start tuning into. Uh, thank you so much. Stay focused and organized. One way you could do that is by downloading the Nurse Backpack app which enables you to keep all your credentials in one place and to send it to your nurse manager, your recruiter, or to that next dream job. Download the app today. The link is located in our show notes. The World Health Organization has designated 2020 as the year of the nurse and midwife. In honor of the 200th birth anniversary of Florence Nightingale, And did you know that nurses have an 18-year running streak of being the number one most ethical and honest profession in all of America? Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 is going warp speed into this 2020 year of the nurse. We're sponsoring art exhibitions, murals, networking events, movie screenings, and writing webinars to promote the positive image of nurses in the media. We'd love for you to join our team. We're looking for volunteers and sponsors to help us go forward with this amazing journey. For more information, email us at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. And oh, don't forget to go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes.